Welcome to Your Music Saved Us, where two friends blast ourselves into the past to relive and recontextualize the alternative Christian music we grew up listening to in the 1990s. My name is Jay, and I'll be your host for this episode. With me is someone who hit the big time, but's back home now. Clifton, how are you? That's depressing. <laughs> I have I have gone back to my hometown before. It's not a good idea, so... Yeah, fair. I feel you. Alright, yeah, okay. I'm doing well, I think. How about you? Uh... Yeah, I'm actually, um, this is TMI, but I'll tell you anyway, I'm actually <laughs> sitting on an ice pack right now because uh, nice. a friend of mine um, convinced me to start inline skating again, and so we were at the skate park and I pulled my groin muscle this morning, which <laughs> is what happens, you know, when you're almost 43 and trying to do something you last did when you are about 15, but, you know, whatever. It's, uh, I'm having fun, so, all good. To be fair, it is fun, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. Let me get focused. Stop focusing on my groin. So, Clifton, what are we listening to this week? We are listening to the first emo album ever, Jay. Juliana's theory, understand this is a dream. The first emo album ever? Ever. First one. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, all right, I got lots of questions then. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, cool. All right. Uh, was this hard to find? I assume not. I didn't listen to it on Spotify or anything, but I assume it's on there. Cause, it, you know, it, do yeah, know. no, it definitely is. Easy cool. To find. <laughs> was this played in youth group? Uh, no. No. Not in, no. Yeah, not in mine either. Maybe somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody was really cool, right? Yeah. It's not super Christian, though, so... It's not. Yeah. Except, think, well, yeah. we'll we'll talk about it. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that, and... Are we getting preached at on this album? Once, definitely. Maybe twice, but once. Right. Yeah. That's my takeaway. In yeah, kind so of a, maybe a more subtle way, not directly, but... Right. Well, but, yeah. 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 Shaming. Public shaming. Like, like Christianity. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, before we go on, I want to remind everyone to visit patreon.com slash ymsu to contribute to get extended episodes and just to help us out um yeah we really appreciate all the support and uh we need to record some extra stuff for patrons um i say that out loud because it's a reminder to both of us but we will and we appreciate (laughs) everyone who's joined and and is supporting us i i am almost done with a massive project at work that has monopolized my last six months so it it, listen it's fair we're like normal people (laughs) who have full-time jobs doing this you know outside of this very very true yeah it it's what happens so um but clifton tell us a little bit about the juliana theory all right so first i'm going to give credits for all this uh this is mostly taken from two episodes of washed up emo with uh john josh fielder and brett detar um detar i don't know how you say it actually um, along with 
a news page and an FAQ page that Jay found on uh, the Wayback Machine of the Juliana Theory website circa about early 2000, probably. Yep. <laughs> All right. So in the mid-90s, in the unlikely town of Greensburg, Pennsylvania, which had a surprisingly active and diverse music scene, Josh, Josh, and Neil were in a band called Noisome, which Josh Fielder describes as a mix between grunge and pop punk. And uh, Brett and Chad were in a, I guess, punk band called Pensive, um, previously named Red Number no. 9. Uh, these guys were all friends from the scene and started talking about doing something different. They formed Giuliana Theory in August of 1997, inspired by the recent explo explosion of artists such as Jimmy Eat World, Texas is the Reason, The Get Up Kids, and Mineral, but also brought um, influences such as Fugazi, Metal, Hardcore, other things like that. Um, Brett joined Zayo um, in 1997 and was with them for their 1997-1998 tour, along with their 1998 release, Where Blood and Fire Bring Rest. In that time, uh, Josh, Chad, and Jeremiah... Um, and Neil, sorry, started practicing while Brett was on tour with Zayo and started writing songs without him. And when Brett got back from tour, he caught up with the band and they quickly started playing shows, um, catching quite a bit of, bit, of, bit of attention. So at this point, the band was Brett Dieter on vocals, Chad Allen on bass, Jeremiah Momper on guitar, Joshua Fielder on guitar, and Neil Hebrink on drums. I don't know who the Joshua guy is. He would only be around through the recording of this album. So, maybe a very first uh, time being super important uh, in a band that we're covering here. The band launched their website <laughs> in uh, October 28, 1997. In January of 1998, they put out a four-song uh, demo cassette, including This Is Not A Love Song, Weeklong Embrace, and 747. In March 1998, they released a new four-song cassette called Stargazer, all lowercase, very important there because emo, <laughs> uh, which would later be remastered and released as their half of a split CD with Dawson High, also a Greensburg uh, band. That came out in October 1998. Their website has an update from May 4th, 1998, 1998, saying that they had just played a show with Mid Carson July, Grade, and Hot Water Music. That sounds like a pretty good show, Jay. Yep. <laughs> uh, in the summer of 1998, they started uh, talking about doing a full-length album, and they also drove out to play Cornerstone in 1998. At Cornerstone, uh, the band got the attention of Brandon Ebel with Tooth and & Nail, and of course, Brett already had a relationship with Tooth & Nail through Zayo. In, in October 1998, um, as the band was releasing their split with Dawson High, they traveled back to Little Rock, Arkansas, to record their first album over the course of 11 days with Barry Pointner, I think is how you say it, who had recorded the first two Zayo albums as well as Living Sacrifice and Embodiment, Tooth and Nail. The, the band recorded songs for several compilations around this time as well, and then on March 23rd, 1998, uh, 1998 Tooth and Nail released Understand This is a Dream. 1999. Oh, 1999. Oh, yeah. Yes, 1999. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to add to this. I listened to the labeled podcast interview mm -hmm. with um, Brett. And before he got to Brett, the host asked Brandon Ebel on record, like what he remembered about signing them. And he said that um, Zayo had come to 
Seattle for something and they all went to a movie, some kind of like matinee movie. And then after it, he said he just remembered Brett being like this really cocky guy. <laughs> and Brett was like, <laughs> hey, you like the Get Up Kids? And Brandon was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like the Get Up Kids. He's like, I got a band that's better than the Get Up Kids. You should sign <laughs> us kind of thing. Um, so anyway, supposedly that's that's how it started uh, that Brandon remembers. So anyway. Hmm. Pretty interesting. Funny. There's there's a lot of talk, you know, on the this being one of those early kind of internet attention bands. You know, there's a lot of talk about them being kind of cocky guys and uh, a little too big for their britches and stuff like that. But, uh. Yeah, I, the interview with Brett made it sound like he thought he was he was kind of like joking a lot with that stuff, but people didn't yeah. get the joke, and so they right. thought he was right. kind of a cocky guy when really he was just playing it up. So right, being a rock star. Yeah. yeah. Well, Clifton, do you remember when you first heard this? Not first heard. Um, no, but I imagine, you know, I, like I said, it came out in March of 1999. So I, 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 I know I got it immediately. I know that much, at least. I think they had probably also released August and Bethany on a comp maybe a, a month or two earlier through Tooth and Nail. Do you remember that? maybe yeah, yeah it's fuzzy yeah but i you know i think i got it immediately and i really liked it especially august and bethany it was uh you know it was kind of a sweet sadder song that kind of, kind of had a unique sound that i hadn't heard at that time but i don't think i got really obsessed with it until the summer of 99 you know after a breakup that kind of blindsided me so mm. yeah right plus like we both graduated high school in 99 so it's like that right. weird summertime where you're preparing for college and exactly probably yeah. feeling just anxiety about that as well and <laughs> newness and, there, and there's some weird like childhood nostalgia on this uh on this album that probably goes with that pretty well yeah. yeah that's true yeah same for me i remember i must have gotten this around when it came out since it came out in march of 99 and i remember like listening to it in the car back in my hometown driving around so it mm -hmm. must have been within the first few months of that um so, and I think you're right. I think this band had quite a bit of hype before yeah. like this album came out. And so, um, I'm sure I picked it up pretty much immediately. Yeah. I remember it definitely having like getting attention in, in the magazine, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about like into that summer. I mean, tell me more. How'd you feel about it at the time? I mean, once the breakup thing happened, I was pretty much obsessed with this album, you know? One of the first memories I have ever of using the internet, not at my dad's office, but, like, in a place that I lived, <laughs> was looking up the lyrics to this album on, on the Juliana Theory website. Because they are printed in the book, but they're a bit hard to read there. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but but it gives their website on in the book, um, in the booklet here is, a. Uh, hxe you know hardcore um dot com backslash juliana which i also looked up in the wayback machine but it was nothing different than what you found right and it had that like little uh that um uh uh, uh barcode logo that they had for a while you know they made a bunch of patches out of and stuff mm, yeah yeah uh anyways <laughs> i i specifically remember that on their website that they didn't break lines at the end of a, at the end of a line for the lyrics. They would put a slash, and then you know, like between verses and stuff, they would put a double slash. And I, that was the fucking like emoist thing ever. And I didn't know what emo was, but I knew it was emo. You know. <laughs> so of course, like a few months later, when I was in college, 
and my I had my own website. I copied that. Uh, same. Uh, yeah. I also remember there were a lot of ellipses on their website. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. So, did this play a role in your life? I mean, I think I know yeah. the answer, but. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you know, almost single-handedly responsible for me moving towards emo for the next few years. I mean, I think it probably would have happened anyways if they, it wasn't there, but it was there, you know? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Any other memories with this? Um, I remember we saw them at Emos in Austin um, our freshman year, and I remember getting a chance to talk to Brett outside the club. And they were looking for a place to crash for the night, and we offered to let them crash in our dorm rooms or whatever, but that was, you know an hour and a half away in college station and they weren't too keen on that. (laughs) And, um, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, I also embarrassingly remember like really have asking in-depth questions about their songwriting process because I was really desperate to be able to write songs like this. And we were probably really fucking annoying to him, but you know, he was actually really nice. So I don't know what, what, what Brandon was talking about, you know, him being cocky. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember who they played with? I, I don't. I, I'm struggling to remember this very much, but we saw. A I can't lot even of shows remember what there. stage they played on. Hmm. Because that would have been the original outside stage, not the bigger one later. Yeah, I. Mm, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Was it a big deal for you? Um. I don't. The honest answer is I don't know. I kind yeah. of thought maybe no, but then I remember when I, when we listened to this, I was like, oh, I remember more of this than I thought. And there was one song we're going to get to that I did like a lot. Yeah. Honest answer. I'm not, I honestly don't know. Yeah. So. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You get, you're getting old. Remember, you're forgetting all uh, yeah. Memory, definitely right? getting old. Yeah. Cause I wish straining to remember the show that we saw. But <laughs> I don't remember. What's funny. I don't remember the show. I just remember afterwards talking to Brett outside. Yeah, no, you know what? I kind of have a memory of Brett acting like a rock star and like moving his legs a lot and stuff like that, like like Elvis <laughs> Presley. And if that's the case, it would have been on the inside stage. Because he Anyways. he didn't play guitar in the band, right? He only no. sang. So right, what yeah. else are you going to do? You have to move around. Exactly, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Well, so let me just ask, ha- I mean, have you, before we prepared for this, had you revisited this at all kind of since that time? Not really. I mean, maybe like a song here or there, but not not in any meaning, meaningful way, no. So what was your first impression upon re-listening to it? So I was honestly a little scared that it was going to be like embarrassingly like simple or simple-minded, you know, like both musically and lyrically, you know, so it'd be like really cheesy. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like after listening to it the first time, I was like, oh, you know, it's not, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's probably not worth being obsessed with to the length that I was obsessed with it, but it was, it's a good album. Yeah. I, I think my first thought, and this is not saying it's bad. I think my first thought was, I was like, this is not emo. No, <laughs> like, no, no. I remember at the time thinking it was, and there are certainly elements of it that we'll talk about, but I think overall I was like, this is really just kind of like a power pop record. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. um, this is much popular than I remember it being. Yeah, I think somewhere in my notes I, I wrote down, you know, that I, I that today I would not recognize this as as an emo album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the the biggest surprise for me going back to this is like just how you know catchy yeah. 
poppy everything is. But that's kind of the way things were. I mean, there, you know, stairwell was out around the same time. You know, yeah, it reminds me like, a lot of stairwell. There, that yeah. is probably the closest thing I can think of. Yeah, because those are both kind of hardcore influenced things going into this emo thing. You know, mm-hmm. and so they kind of have similar kind of semi wall of sound guitars. You know, but like really smoothed out guitars. You know, yeah. yeah. And and to be fair, the bands that some of the influences they were talking about move this direction too. I mean, the get up kids is yes. probably the best example. I mean, if you listen to four minute mile compared to something to write home about, it's right. pretty different. Um, and yeah. even the promise then, ring just continued to get popular and popular. <laughs> the promise ring was always a poppy band, but yeah. Uh, and, and, and Jimmy world, you know, with like bleed American. You True. Know? I mean, this is, this is this kind of like foreshadows that in a way almost. Yeah. 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 Well, should we jump into it? Let's do it. All right, start us off. Song number one, This Is Not A Love Song. Yeah, it's not a love song. Um, <laughs> so it starts out with kind of like an, uh, an arpeggiated kind of chord thing that's like, most importantly, it's super sweet, right? Like, it's it's just like kind of soft and saccharine, you know? <laughs> it, and it, sound, it sounds emo-ish, let's be honest. It does that sound part emo-ish, does. yeah. Yeah, yeah a, little, a, little, a little kind of towards the mineral side, but if mineral was poppier, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, and then you can kind of hear a guitar volume turn up and then crack the drums come in. There's full distortion and driving drums and melodic bass. And Brett's like, the time is 2.22. Anyways, like I can't sing. Um, And Brett's vocals are like, they're pretty emotive, you know, but they're also like slightly off kilter, kind of out of key thing, you know. The guitars are super intense, kind of like really active. There's at least two levels of two two different guitars kind of thing playing off of each other, with really the bass kind of holding down the 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 kind of four chord melody that you that you might think of in the song structure here. And like I said, it's from today's perspective, this is everything that would go wrong with emo over the next few years (laughs) right uh you know i think this kind of like like i just said this kind of pre you know is it 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 previews what's going to happen to jimmy eat world it previews the coming of your more scenester kind of my chemical romance kind of thing you know yeah you know it's where it's kind of like commercial friendly poppy hardcore paired with sappy lyrics and the music kind of jumping back and forth between kind of hard rock written written by someone who's heard punk once before or maybe it's punk by someone who heard heard hard rock once before i can't figure it out and 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 just saccharine sweet melodies and i think you know i think one of the main things that really annoys me about this style that would come to take over emo you know okay it's a little saccharine that's one thing that's wrong with it but also just like the guitars have no texture. They're just kind of smooth and compressed. Mm-hmm. 
flattened out, kind of like, kind of like metal guitars are all too often. And there's definitely no, like, unless I'm wrong, feedback really. Like, you know, some no. of those emo albums, like that first Mineral album, like I feel like half <laughs> of it is just like feedback. I love yeah. that that's not this at all. Yeah, there's there's hardly any rawness to this, right? There, there is a guitar where one of the, where they like there's a song later on where they like have a squeak in their guitar once or twice. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> and I wrote it down. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know. So the the verses are kind of more energetic on this song with the chorus kind of taking like a laid back kind of like introspective feel. And then there's there's this one kind of repeating guitar riff. Um, that kind of accentuates the mids on the fourth measure of each line during the verse. That's kind of a big part of the song, but then there's also kind of this post-chorus thing that isn't repeated ever again, but I think is a really good part of the song that I want to, I want to play here. Yeah. And then about two-thirds of the way through the song, instead of going back to that thing which we just played, the vocals kind of break out into this popular, like, do-do-do-do. Right. And it's, you know, it's kind of just this weird mix of, of semi-angst and saccharine sweet poppiness. It's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely and, a lot of do, 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 do. We got some background <laughs> vocals going on yeah. too. Yeah. And and at the end of the song, they kind of bring all of this together with the with the you know do 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 do's and also that kind of driving mid focus guitar that we talked about a second ago and kind of the sweet arpeggio comes back out of it and that closes off the song and I'm sitting right here. It's I'm kind of making fun of it here, but it's a good song. Like yeah. it's just, 
right? Uh, I still enjoy it today. I, I just, I'm making fun of it because it kind of, it, this is what happened to emo, you know? <laughs> and yeah. um, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm a little bitter about that. I don't know. But, I mean, you made a good point at the beginning. Like, maybe this is kind of a good gateway to some of that stuff for you, yeah. right? You know? So, true, true. Probably yeah. for a lot of other people, too, hopefully. Probably a bad thing for Juliana Theory, because... If they had come out, you know, if this album had come out in 2002 instead of 99, they probably would have been a lot more popular. Or maybe. Maybe they would have been just considered to be another another thing, you know? It's hard to say. Yeah. All right, should we look at some lyrics here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, they're pretty short. I'm going to read them. The time is 2.22, and I hope your wish comes true. But you say I'll know before you do, and I hope you're right. Why can we talk like this? We always speak when you're so far away. And I'm sitting right here. It's ten your time, but it's one by mine. And I often wonder why you even care. Uh, do you ever wonder why we met here? The time is 2.22, and I hope my wish comes true. And I think I'll know just when you do, and I hope I do. Maybe this is just what I need. Maybe I'm wrong. Clifton. I was looking at these lyrics and I thought, what is this song about? And I was like, maybe a long-term relationship. But then mm -hmm. I realized this is not a love song. Shit. What is it? <laughs> I don't know, but they told us <laughs> in the title, it's not a love song. So right. You're not wrong. <laughs> Are you implying that it's a Christian song? I've got no idea. Okay. I don't think it's a Christian song. I think it's a, not a love song, right? Like it's, it's kind of about falling in love, right? You know, mm -hmm. like if you if you first listen to it, you could mistake this for a love song. But there's kind of like this hint of heartache in it from the beginning, right? Um, you know, kind of like the, these lovers, gross. Every time I say the word lovers, I always think of that quote from 30 Rock where she says she hates that word unless it's between the word meat and pizza. <laughs> um <laughs> So these lovers seem to be separated. Uh, you know, maybe our narrator's on the East Coast and the person he's talking to is on the West Coast because it's 10 o'clock your time and it's one by mine. But the, the narrator almost kind of laments that they can talk this way. Like, I don't know if that means they talk negatively or if he's lamenting that they only get along this way when they're not together. I don't know. But there's definitely something kind of... There's definitely a lament to what's going on here. I kind of think maybe it's a love song, but he's trying to convince himself it's not. Mm, interesting. You know, like, it's not a love song, but it really is. <laughs> okay. The, the line to me that really stands out is, and I often wonder why you even care. As if the narrator kind of believes himself to be unworthy of love, maybe, is something my, my therapist would say to me. Hmm. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I, my takeaway from this song is that it might seem like a love song, but this guy um, is more, maybe he's afraid of love or he doesn't feel like he deserves of lo he deserves love, you know? And so he is drawing away from it, um, or he feels like even though it's new and it's great, he's going to get hurt by it, you know? And so mm -hmm. 
it's not a love song because there's kind of like that lament from the beginning of it. It works. Okay, but it's not a love song. Yeah, exactly. Tell us about number two, Dwayne Joseph. All right. So this is, I don't know, you think this is the most popular track on the album? Not for me, but maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I get that. Maybe for other people. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the one that still gets played the most, probably. You're probably right. There were union tours and stuff, yeah. Uh, so this track starts out with kind of the sound of like a a, 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 a vinyl record, kind of like the needle touching down and like, that, like kind of like that staticky sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a guitar kind of distorted and mixed into the background, like doing some palm muted stuff. And the vocals come in, they're also kind of pushed to the back. After a couple lines of that, we get like a giant pick rag dragon, drum snap in, there's full force and everything's right in your face. definitely got that kind of like nasal vocal yeah thing that was like that time period really popular exactly and kind of all the all the vocals are just like right on the verge of screaming they're kind of all from the back you know yeah. with that extra touch of nasal in there very much so yeah and, and, and as you can hear there kind of a lot of the ends of lines or maybe the second to last words of lines are kind of strung out notes and then that's kind of paired with the the last line of, of each verse is kind of like or each i don't know uh, if each verse is is kind of like has this kind of like too many words in it, so instead of long drawn out thing, it's a bunch of choppy syllables all all yeah all shoved yeah. in 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 too little time. But they also do this kind of like nice little kind of like kind of like a breakdown almost in the in, in, in while they're doing that as well. Let, let me. I don't know. I I think it's actually kind of a nice juxtaposition um, with the with the long drawn out stuff and then the shoving too many words in, into a very little time. Um, we get a little bit more of the uh, that kind of nice fun guitar there, and then we get another kind of this huge kind of thing going into the chorus. I don't know what that, I think they're just like the sound of a guitar being turned up or something like that. I don't know, but the the chorus is mostly like back and forth between gang vocals and Brett's vocals, which are distorted to make them sound in the background once again, giving it kind of like this not in the moment feel, which is going to be very important because this is the song that I was talking about that has like, kind of like that childhood nostalgia thing that a 20 year old is writing. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that struck me too. And that, that's very much a thing with some of this style of music at the time right that nostalgia yeah. and you're like yeah but you're like 19 or 20. right yeah 
You see a lot of that at a mineral as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> during the second verse, uh, I don't know why, but during the second verse, it really stood out to me like just how hard this drummer must be hitting the drum. Maybe it's just a ju- judicious lo- use of of reverb on, reverb on the drums. I don't know, but it sounds like he's just really whacking them pretty good. Anyways, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the lyrics here in a moment. But at the end of the song, we get kind of this repeated frame of, I guess I'll hold my breath with background vocals saying, there's no harm in hoping for change, which I really like. Not Not the holding your breath part, but the hoping for change part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's it, it's a fun song, which is kind of gonna be the what we say over and over again about Juliana Theory songs. I think it's fun, and it kind of has a little bit of heartbreak slash nostalgia kind of lament to it. L- l- lamenting fun songs. That's yeah, the wrong words. <laughs> it had it had a couple of little cool guitar parts that like during the verses, like that, right, like yeah. some stuff in the background. And I feel like there's a few other songs on here where going back through it, I kind of appreciated more of what they were doing with like a second mm-hmm. guitar and a lot of songs. They're not just yeah. kind of playing the same thing. There's some other stuff going on. Which adds some really nice texture. And earlier I said that there wasn't any texture to the guitars. I meant like the actual distortion right. texture, right? Whereas this it does add a nice texture of just like there's some really interesting things going on all the time that kind of keep your interest in and keep things changing enough that you're not, you're never getting bored with what's going on. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's jump into these weird lyrics, Jay. Okay. You want to read them for us? That's right. It says, tell your mom you need a day off so we can play out in the rain. We'll catch a ride to the mall, go down to the arcade, because that's where all the cool kids hang. And he says, tell your mom you need a day off because I don't feel like school today. We'll ride our boards down the hill and to the playground where everything's okay. Tell your mom that we'll be home late because building cabins in the woods is hard work. Uh, And he says, you always know that I'll be there because summertime is coming near. My closest friend, you'll always be. You are a hometown kid like me. Then kind of back to the tell your mom stuff. He says, tell your mom to make his lunch now because we worked up an appetite. G.I. Joe's and karate matches in the backyard where everything's all right. Now I can see that things have changed. We've gone our separate ways now and it's not you and me anymore. Why can't it be the way it was, where pain was only plastic guns? My closest friend, I couldn't see. You are a million miles away. And I guess I'll hold my breath. There's no harm in hoping for change. And he finishes out with it, and I guess I'll hold my breath. All right. 
So yeah, it's a it's a weirdly nostalgic song for a twenty something early, probably right. just twenty, yeah, or, you know, year old, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, yeah, the song tells like little snippets of two best friends playing and what they felt like maybe was kind of being a hard time as a kid. You know, tell your mom we need the day off because we don't feel like school today. Tell your mom we'll be home late because building cabins in the woods is hard work. And so, you know, I think that the nostalgia of this song is kind of hidden in this, this, uh, the nostalgia of, of, of missing a friend who's, we've gone our separate ways. But honestly, I think the real nostalgia for this song is just struggling with like, oh, being an adult's actually hard. And I remember I, I miss when it was like easy being a kid, right? Yeah. When pain, when pain was only plastic guns. Hmm. Yeah, that I like a really that good line. line. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I think it's, you know, if you're a 20-year-old, 18-year-old, 17-year-old, I think this song will really speak to you. Today, it's still just kind of a nostalgia song, I think. <laughs> Let's be honest. Adulting still sucks, right? Yeah. Um, But there's less shock to it today, I think. But, you know, I think being an 18-year-old hearing this... When I first heard it, it probably didn't mean much to me because I was still living at home, you know? Yeah. But then you get out on your own and and you got to, like, figure out how to cook food and you got to figure out, like, how to clean things and, like, do all the stupid shit that's involved in being an adult. Even though I think we were still pretty fucking sheltered um, at college, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. But it was it was still kind of a step in that direction, you know? You're like, oh, man, there's... I'm not just, like... I just don't have like I don't have any reason I don't I no longer have no responsibilities. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now I'm like responsible for making sure I wake up on time and getting good grades and my future. Everything my future depends on everything I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there still is something to that. Like, I, you know, I've gr- I had a friendship in the past, and I wish we were still friends. And we've kind of oh, yeah. seemed to have grown apart. Um, I can connect to that. I have some people I grew up with that mm-hmm. I wish I was closer to, you know, now kind of just happened over time, just grown apart a little bit. Um, yeah. so I get that sense too. It's also, it's a little strange to already be thinking about that at age 19 or 20, but <laughs> I can see it happens, you know, I remember this also is a theme in, um, MXPX's life in general. It's kind of a oddly nostalgic album <laughs> for being written by like a 20 year old. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and these those two albums came out around the same time. So like for me, like even hearing all this kind of at the same time, and I remember listening to them a lot, kind of at the right at that end of of my of high school, you know, like as I was literally literally packing, you know, to yeah to go to college and like seeing friends at their house for the last time and things like that. Yeah, right. Well, let's keep it moving here. Song number three, August in Bethany. All right. <laughs> So this song starts out with like an almost like somber acoustic guitar strumming, mm-hmm. which which almost sounds jangly, but like there's not a lot of highs to it. We get like this really sweet vocals over it about being sad about something. For a moment, you could almost be forgiven for assuming that this was like going to be some cheesy singer-songwriter kind of thing. With the sound of the ocean crashing. 7.30 Friday evening Everything comes 
But then, th then another guitar comes in with this kind of like even sweeter clean guitar riff over over the acoustic guitar riff. But it's almost like it's almost like a really delicate sweetness to to this guitar riff. Um, and some kind of soft, almost like drummer boy, drummer boy rat a tat tat drumming. Um, and really kind of drawn out notes from the bass that kind of almost feel like they're gonna they expand as they go. Like I'm really I'm gonna play this here, and I really want you to listen to the bass because it just it almost feels like it's growing as the as the note holds on. As I sit here Just to the bass there, though, like it, I don't know, it just has this really kind of ephemeral feel to it, like it's getting bigger. Not louder, just bigger. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I hadn't noticed it till you pointed it out. So then some backing vocals come in saying, don't go with Brett's vocals, repeating, um, you said you wouldn't, you said you couldn't. Uh, and after another verse uh, of that kind of electric guitar riff, which has been repeating constantly this entire thing. It kind of it's it's left to stand on its own as everything else fades out, and then it, as it finishes another round of the riff. Brett comes in with a sudden building to a scream. Don't go. So in my notes for that part, I did like that part, by the way, when yeah. I listened to it back in the day, but I noted this is emo, but, but really like mall emo or something, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah. this is kind of how you see the transition going. Like this yes. is the kind of stuff that got people pulled in and shifted to the popier stuff. That That is a very good description of it because yeah, you're, you're, you can hear this played at a fries, right? Like yeah. You're not. You're. They're not. I mean, they're probably not going to play mineral over over the loudspeakers at fries, but yeah. you can hear them playing this at fries, right? <laughs> and yeah, it it takes some of those rougher edges and smooths them out, and it takes a lot of that kind of soft, quiet, soft thing of emo, and it combines it with the kind of building thing of emo, where it just starts really soft and then builds until it peaks and then it comes back down, right? Uh, for this song, we'll get into the come back down thing here in a minute. But yeah, it's but it's done with no sharp edges. It's done with with angst but with no consequences. Hmm. Okay, right. Yeah. You know, cuz like, you know, 
I don't know how to say this other than Kurt Cobain killed himself, right? But like Brett's definitely not going to kill himself. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like like he's not that invested, right? It's just it's it's sweet, but it's it's an act. You know, it's it's they're putting on an act, which is fine. Like music should be an act in a certain way, but it's purely an act here, I think, you know. Yeah, so we get that, you know, heavy drumming, heavy guitars, driving bass. And the song I described it here as kind of cries as we find out that the that uh that that don't go stanza wasn't coming from the narrator, but was coming instead from his lover as quote I walk out the door. So should we jump into the lyrics? No, we're not done yet. Okay. <laughs> and as the plea fades out, a bolder kind of clean electric guitar comes in for a soft solo with that kind of delicate guitar riff coming out of it again. And then we go back to the acoustic guitar and then even back to the beginning lines with every, and it ends with everything comes tumbling down. So once again, instead of the back and forth between soft, quiet, whatever of an emo song, we just get a constant build and then a, a shorter kind of back down into where we were. Right. So, I don't know. It's emo, but not, right? Like we've said. <laughs> Which isn't to say it's bad. I like this song still. Yeah. It's cheesy, yes. But it's a good song still. And it's well written. It's well produced. It's well played. Everything about it's good. But it's 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 just this weird thing that happened to emo. And I don't know how to explain it other than that. Yeah. No fair. All right, now we can get into the lyrics. <laughs> All right, so they start off with, with the sound of the ocean crashing, 7.30, Friday evening, everything comes tumbling down. I choke back each tear that bleeds. I'd rather rest forever in your arms. I'd rather stay here than go, but I know that I should leave as I sit here helpless. Don't go. You said you wouldn't. You said you couldn't. Repeat it over and over again. I think of our time together. Is it fading or am I dreaming? Everything you said lives on. I cherish our memories. I want to kiss your tears away tonight. It's hard to give up the one you never thought you'd leave. Don't go. Don't go. Your eyes, they see through my soul. Don't go. You say as I walk out your door. And then back to the beginning lines. With the sound of the ocean crashing, 7.30, Friday evening, everything comes tumbling down. So, I think one of the interesting things about this song is kind of this, and it happens in a lot of emo too. It's kind of the, and more in the mall emo though, as you've called it here, which is this kind of mix between the detail of 7.30 Friday evening and the ephemeralness of everything comes tumbling down. Right. So like we give you some information about the narrative that's going on here, but not enough to actually know what's going on. So it's left for you to kind of fill in. Yeah. And I think the big question is, you know, 
I think the question the song poses to you as a listener is kind of what are the reasons someone might leave someone they love? Hmm. Which is angsty to think about. And that's the point of this song. (laughs) And I think to create angst, I think just to play on your inbuilt angst as a teenager slash young adult. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is, I mean, this is one of those that's definitely going to like any, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old Mm -hmm. kid. This is like going to be the one you latch on to. Exactly. And especially that age, because, you know, you're making big decisions about your life, you know, and so there's things right in your life that you can see as like, you know, maybe you have a, a high school girlfriend. You're like, but I got to go, you know, <laughs> we're going different directions, kind of like the, ver- the previous song. Right. Um, but you're you know, this time you're making a choice to like to say, you know, I love you, but I've got to go do something else. Yeah. The Call to Adventure. Is that where we are in the album? Hmm. Maybe this uh, album follows... No, it doesn't. <laughs> Never mind. Because <laughs> the next song is Music Box Superhero. This fun song we're not going to talk about it but it's a fun song and you know yeah it's about being a rock star i think (laughs) but how a rock star can't be your music box superhero Mm -hmm. we're also going to skip 747 and the closest thing which are in my opinion not good songs they're both very forgettable and listen i'll say song number seven show me the money is um It's catchy, yeah. but I feel like they ride that chorus too much. Like I, there, I wanted to go like through eight words. And, I wanted to go through and count how many times he says, "I thought about what you said, <laughs> and it's not your money." Not okay. thought about what you said but i don't care and i don't care you know like i was just like oh my god stop (laughs) it's the only words to the song i mean (laughs) it's it's a little yeah a little to go for four minutes and 28 seconds is too much yeah that one could have been a three and a half minute uh you know radio pop song right but for some reason they decided to take it on for a whole minute longer than it needed to be (laughs) it's still fun though um worth listening to they do play it live still i think so well when the band is together, we'll get around to the where they are now in a minute. All right, Jay, is this the song that uh, that touched you right here? This was a song I loved back in the day. Number eight for Evangeline. This was the one I was into. <laughs> Interesting. I think this is probably the song I ignored more than anything. When oh, I that's did. funny. This was the one yeah. I like. I think to me this sounded the most emo because there's a screaming part on it that's not on there any is. of their style. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a turn off to me because that screaming part is super in the background. You can barely hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is definitely the most emo. It's, it's also the most like 
esoteric in the sense that it never lets you know what's going on. I don't think exactly like there's plenty of hints, right? But anyways, we'll get yeah. There. Also, isn't it interesting that this is right between "Show Me the Money" and then the next song, "P.S. We'll Call You When We Get There," which are kind of the two fun, like most fun songs in the album? Yeah, yeah, it is a little strange. This is probably yeah. the most serious song on the album, yeah. depending on your interpretation, which we'll get to, sure. I'm sure. I'm also going to give you kind of, as I explain the song here, I'm going to kind of give you my journey through this song okay. uh, when, when, I, when I was a kid, because I definitely did not get what this song was about when I was a kid. <laughs> Fair. All right. So there's plenty of silence um, between the previous song, Show Me the Money, and this song. There's just like literally some silence in the track. And we kind of get this kind of like, it, it actually fades in. It's a song yeah, that fades in on an That's evil really album. rare. Very weird. Like, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it comes in kind of with the band already in full effect. You know, there's a lead guitar riff, a downstroke and rhythm guitar, a bass, you know, kind of some kind of like almost lazy feeling drums, but they're not actually lazy. And the vocals are kind of just like muttery and buried in the song, but they slowly kind of build louder and more clear um but like i said it's still pretty esoteric and hard to place what they could possibly mean with lines such and, and they're just repeating the same lines over and over again such as the deepest embraces creation But also in the official lyrics, there's an apostrophe between in before the S on embraces. It's like that's got to be a typo because that doesn't mean anything. Anyways, I I got a theory, but we'll get to it. Okay, we'll come back. Okay, <laughs> so the instrumentation kind of grows some more with kind of a solid, long running ride on a on a on a or yeah, it's a ride on a ride symbol, kind of just over and over again. Um, guitar gets more distorted. We get the lyrics, I laid there for days and you forgot. I still don't know what this could be about. You know, maybe someone going through a depression that's been abandoned by God, maybe? I don't know. Maybe the people they love. Um, and then we get kind of this like sweet little lead guitar thing that might be uh, the most textured guitar that we hear in the entire album. So I'm going to play that Okay, those lyrics are a little bit weird, you know, and one night you made me your own and one hour you gave me away to the angels. Maybe it's a breakup thing, right? Like maybe one night of passionate lovemaking between two young people. I get it. You know, I get it. 
And then there's a rash decision to just dump the other person, right? Rough. I get this song, okay? Um, that little segment ends uh, with a very nice scream. You want to listen to that scream, Jay? My favorite part of the whole yeah. album, man. Let's do it. Clifton, there's feedback. I know, I wrote it down. I was like, feedback! Woo! Okay, that's why I like this part too. I didn't even <laughs> exactly. put it together. I like that, like, that's really the... heavy and that, you know. Yeah, in that's the squealy guitar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. See, this song has it all. It's good stuff. Yeah. We, we got that guitar with texture on it. We got the scream. We got this hardcore thing going on here. This is a good song. You're, you're right. This is one of the better songs on the album, right? Right. The lyrics, I don't know. You send me up to the sky, you gave me away to angels. I get it, man. It feels like you've literally been killed when someone breaks your heart, right? The face you'll never touch, the hair you'll never smell. Yeah, a lot of lost intimacy, right? Mm. The little hands you'll never hold. Okay, I mean, I guess hands come in all sizes, right? Or maybe this is written from the perspective of a woman. You're not going to get to hold my tiny little hands anymore, right? I, You know, <laughs> I like smelling my girl's hair. You know, she's got cute little hands, so... Yeah, um, the song kind of reaches its apex, you know, with a scream guitar and that kind of background. Uh, and, 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 and the lyrics, now I am just a silhouette down here, right? Preach it, man. I'm just an empty shell now that you've broken up with me. love the guitars there that there's a really special like there's a kind of a high mids high the guitar there that's kind of echoing the down there part that just really kind of screams out it's it's, it's well written so jay how'd i do on the my interpretation of this song well the most truthful answer is i don't know because <laughs> i will tell you when we said we were doing this album. I was like, oh, there's that one song I really like on this. And I was like going through and I finally got to this one. I was like, oh yeah, it's this song. And then I was like, what you? you know, I was looking at the lyrics. Like, what is this about? And I made the mistake of Googling it or maybe oh. got the insight from Googling it. I don't know. <laughs> and also to add to this, um, I was talking to my friend today as we were 
uh, rollerblading at the skate park. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I was asking him if he'd heard this album. He's like, oh, yeah, they've got that one song about abortion. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was my favorite back in the day. And that seems to be the consensus online that that's what this is about. And honestly, kind of makes a lot of sense when you start looking at sense. the lyrics again. You know, especially that part about, like, you know, face you'll never touch, the hair you never smell, the little hands you'll never hold. Um, yeah, it all kind of seems to fit together. Yeah. That said, in one night you made me your own. Okay, you got that right. Like Insemination. Yes. <laughs> and, and here's the part you didn't get. The deepest embraces creation. Well, what would be the deepest embrace? Oh, Shh. A fucking womb? Well, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, deepest, you know, so, and that would fit with the, you know, possessive right there. The deepest embraces possessive creation. Oh, clever way of saying sex. The deepest embrace is sex, and that, and and sex is creation. Or owns creation. Yeah, sex is creation. Right. Okay. In one night. Mm hmm. Um, I laid there for days and you forgot. Can I tell you something, Jay? Yeah. This sounds, because of that line, right? I laid there, and and it's repeated over and over and over again. I laid there for days and you forgot. Sounds less like an abortion and more like, do you remember the, the kind of satanic panic era? Like, oh, you, you had a baby at prom and you put it in the dumpster kind of thing. That's what I was going to say. That? Dumpster baby, man. <laughs> yeah, dumpster, dumpster baby. baby. <laughs> and maybe that's easier to say this is about abortion <laughs> rather than it's about dumpster babies. You know, but you're right. I mean, that, that does fit. And people were like convinced that most high school girls were jump, were, had, a, had dumpster babies, right? Right. Like, this is one of those things where it's like it's the same exact thing as as trans people are grooming your children. You know, every trans person out there is grooming a thousand children, and also everyone in high school, every woman in high school has a dumpster baby. <laughs> so there's not a prom that goes by without dozens of dumpster babies. All right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, my friend was kind, and he said, like, you know, I mean, it's not, the song could have been a lot more judgmental, and I was like, okay. It's pretty judgmental. But, I like, mean, I yeah, and I just, I'm like, oh my god, why did this have to be about abortion? Yeah. No. In some form or another. And maybe it's, you're right, maybe it's not specifically abortion, but it's, that seems to be the consensus of what people think it mm-hmm. means. I could yeah. not find an interview or anything where it was... He specifically talked about this song, but right. I you know. I can't imagine what else this is about. It's definitely not my interpretation, you know. Yeah. You sent me up to the sky. You gave me away to the angels. You sent me up to the sky. This song. This line is kind of weird, though. Now their wings fan the heat from the face you'll never touch. Why is there so much heat that the angels' wings have to fan it? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe they want to help. But... Just got on the wrong stairwell? I don't know. All right. 
And now I am just a silhouette down there. Just a dumpster baby corpse. It's hard to take the song seriously now, honestly. It is. I agree. Even though I do like the way it sounds, but now that I've thought more about the lyrics, I'm struggling with the song. And Like, do we want to talk about abortion for a second? Okay. What about it? I'll just say at the time, if I had known this was about abortion, I would have been like, yeah. Um, yeah. Just because like that was such a just a thing to get behind right and um it was the the culture wars yeah yeah and it it's so i don't know it's so frustrating because it seems so clear-cut but in reality it's like probably the least (laughs) clear-cut thing and you know um i you know i recently learned like for instance like if you're jewish in in scripture actually they say that um life begins with the first breath Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so because remember when God breathed a breath into Adam, yeah, and how he wasn't alive before then. So like they're not considering like a fetus before birth to even be human. For so for if you're Jewish, it's not, it's not a thing, and it's not right. something you're upset about. Um, I will, and I may have said this in the podcast before. I don't remember, but I will never forget. For me, and this was not that long ago, less than ten years ago, I was like pretty far left in all my political views except for this one uh, on Hmm. abortion and i was like huh you know i just couldn't get over like well but abortion stops a beating heart however i will never forget a conversation i was having actually with my neighbor um and you know i was saying i was talking about as a teacher i taught middle school uh, so young you know fairly young kids having a girl in my classroom that there was quite a bit of strong speculation that she was being abused at home and possibly like being like sexually abused by an uncle or something. And I remember thinking, and this is kind of people were a little bit worried about like pregnancy and stuff with her. And I remember thinking, like I said, I was like, you know, I'm pro-life, but like, I'm not at all going to like, I don't remember how I said it, but something like, like judge her. Mm-hmm. for like getting rid of the baby or something like she is in a rough place she is like 12 years old in yeah. seventh grade like this is not like i you know just because i knew this kid it was like i no judgment here for me on that and my friend was like that's pro choice yeah and it just like <laughs> blew my mind i was like oh shit <laughs> Yeah. And I got it. And I know it's ridiculous it took me that long, but that was the moment where I was like, oh, it's not about me thinking it's okay or not. It's just allowing them like to make that decision on their own. And I'll right. one thing that's stuck with me for a long time, and it's funny because this is actually a quote from Hillary Clinton, who I as Clifton knows, I'm not a Hillary Clinton fan, <laughs> putting that out there, everyone, like far from it. But she did say something, and this was like maybe, this was a long time ago, 2004, 2005. I just remember when it was more when I was kind of becoming a little more politically aware and stopped believing everything I'd been told, Um, you know, at least starting to question things. But she said she'd like to make um, uh, abortion, um, what'd she say? Oh, God, I'm leading up to the quote now. I'm forgetting it. It was like, 
Something like safe, available, and rare. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, available, safe, and rare or something like that. And I thought, huh. Like, that really hit me. It's not, you know, you're portrayed by the other side. It's just like, murdering babies. That's what they love to do. And it's like, no, it's a really intense, stressful, hard thing. And people are put in these hard positions. But sometimes not having the child is actually the better decision. But that's up for them to decide. And it's also... You know, especially with the safe thing and the rare thing, these are things that Christians, and I'm going to say Christians as, as much as I mean like the evangelical Christian right, puts a lot of effort into making sure that there's a lot of things, that there's things, that anything in the art society that they disapprove of, they put a lot of effort into making sure that it's not safe so that mm. they can point at it and be like, see, it's just, it's dangerous. You can't let, can't let people do dangerous things, you know? And, and so, you know, with abortion, when you outlaw it in a state, it doesn't change the fact that, that your baby may not be viable and you don't find that out until week 35 of a pregnancy, right? Yeah. And you have the choice of having an abortion or, which is going to be painless to the child or letting the child be born and suffer for days as it dies, you know, um, or that, that the baby is already dead and it's only put the mother's life in, in jeopardy or, or, you know, in any, any time there's these late term abortions, they're never done because someone's like, you know, what? I don't want this baby anymore. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's reasons for it. There's medical reasons and they're, and it's heartbreaking, you know, but the GOP goes to a lot of effort to make sure like, like with Emmett Till, for example, you know, his clinic was maybe not the perfect clinic, you know, um, but they put a lot of effort into making sure that it was the only clinic in the area. They put a lot of effort into making wait, sure. Wait, 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 hang on, hang on. Emmett Till? Am I, is that the wrong word? So who, what, what's the guy, what's the, that, the abortion guy who got, is, who got killed? Oh no! So Emmett Till is that like young fourteen-year-old boy that got killed in the fifties, and the, it kind of kept kicked oh, yeah, off yeah, the right yeah, in yeah. Mississippi. I was like, yeah, sorry. Okay, um, is it is it a similar to that name? It might be. I don't. Know. Anyways, I can't think of the name right now. Sorry. It's all good though. <laughs> but you know they go a lot, into a lot of effort to make sure that it's the only clinic that it's running on a shoestring budget. Yeah. You know, and, and so they put a lot of effort into making sure that it is dangerous so they can turn around and say, like, see, it's not safe. Right, right. They, they do the same thing with education, where they, they put a lot of effort into making sure that education, our public education is as bad as possible. And then they hold, they hold committees on, like, we got to get people, kids out of these schools because they're so bad. Well, stop defunding them, you yeah. fucking fucks. It's like a recipe. Yeah, it's what they do with a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah totally. You know, and, and so... When we let when we let these cynical monsters frame the narrative like that, which they can because they have kids like us that grew up not knowing anything else, you know, and so we, we it's the only narrative we ever heard, right? Um, so when we let them frame that narrative, we 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 end up on the defensive when there's no reason it should be on the defensive. It's it's just a narrative that they've created. Not just created the narrative, but they've created the reality around the narrative. And they 
hurt people on purpose so that they can score political points. You know? Yeah. And yeah. it's it's disgusting. Anyways. It's I don't know. I'm you know, after overturning Roe versus Wade, I'm you're seeing some change with some things and you know in some positive directions, but also then you have a lot yeah. of states like both of ours where like suddenly abortion is no longer an option whatsoever. I mean um, I don't know what they're doing in West Virginia, but here in Texas there's literally laws that will uh, like they're trying to get people thrown in jail for life for yeah like doctors you know for like and it's for, for yeah yeah no i know and it's like that and i guess what i would want to tell people is like that doesn't change all that does is make things harder for for instance that 12 year old girl who right. like let's pretend it's not even fucked up i mean 12 year old girl getting pregnant mm -hmm. is kind of fucked up in all directions but like not you know there's not incest there's not some kind of abuse let's just say fooling around with boyfriend still a 12 year old should not be having a child right? right like that is not going to make their life better i've had students who have gotten pregnant and had children at 12 13 14 trust me none of them turned out like like their lives did not go to the places they wanted to go basically right. a lot of their dreams were over then because they had to become parents and so but I, Jay, I just, isn't Jay, isn't our society better when girls are forced to raise babies they don't want to have and not have futures and 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 be trapped in unsuccessful jobs and dependent on on you know the whims of this of of the state you know um to survive isn't our life better when people are on the the verge of full collapse as a human being well like, it, and I'm saying like we should have as many people as possible be on the verge. This is just one tactic I think we can take. You know, getting rid of education, things like this. I think that if, as if I'm making my own society, I want as many people as possible to live the shittiest lives possible. I mean, I do think you're onto something in that, like, and I'm going to kind of less society, more the church, like, you know, there's less care for women that might be having to make this decision when you're already viewing them as kind of second class citizens, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're already looking at them as not as worthy as as other people then it's hard you know then again you're not caring as much that they're de dealing with this i mean look the southern baptist convention just like what a few days ago like basically upheld their ruling they kicked out you know saddleback church rick warren's church and another church i think in kentucky that like had female pastors and they were just <laughs> adamant that they could no longer be you know yeah. part of their group and it's just like really this is 20 23 and this is what we're gonna like this is the hill we're dying on um mm -hmm. you know it, it's so i don't know when you want to make and they'd argue well that's the way god did it but no like listen the bible can be inter as we've talked about the bible can be interpreted <laughs> so many different ways and there's no one right way and anybody that says that it's just got their head buried in their own little theology and i'm getting off track but the point yeah. is i think that like you know when you view women as second-class citizens, then of course forcing them to carry births to term that they don't want to carry is, you know, part of the package. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It just it, it 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 just seems like one and another of many of ways of making people live the worst lives they possibly can from the right. You know. Yeah. Um. 
not not to mention just the other the other implications of what it is as you've just gone over there right which is that you know women aren't really people they should we really trust them to like make decisions you know right. like ugh, women come on guys right ugh. i don't know it, it it's it's i don't know it's 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 horrible to the point of absurdity to me, absurdity to me where it's like it's hard to even think about living in that mindset again and I don't know about you, but yeah, and, and you know, abortion was one, probably one of the last kind of right-leaning things that I gave up. But I gave it up kind of the same way, where it's just not my, it's not mine to speak on, right? Right. I'm not a woman, first off. I'm never going to have a child, you know, if, if I, 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 and I went through that pregnancy scare where my, you know, girlfriend faked a pregnancy. Um my freshman year of college, you know? And so I had kind of already come face to face with this idea of a pregnancy, basically ending your life or ending anything that you hope mm-hmm. would happen with your life, you know, in, in, in such a way. And I wasn't even the one that was pregnant, right? I was just going to be the one that had to like go to work every day to provide for the baby. Not the one that had to stay home and take care of the baby until it was 18, you know? Yeah. Um, but still it's, it's, you know, having a child is a huge thing and, and, and making that decision is something that a person should get to make. And, and, and the idea that, oh, well then don't have sex, you know, until you're ready is, is a ridiculous thing. Like, like literally for people who are not asexual, for example, I don't think there is a, I don't. I don't think there's any concept of healthy personhood that doesn't involve sex psychologically, right? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 funny to call it a need, but it is literally a need, right? Um, not to say we're deserving of it, but it is a it is a you know the intimacy is a psychological need for a healthy human being. But then the other side of this is sex education, right? Part of Hillary Clinton's whole, you know rare safe uh, available safe and rare thing the rare part of that was good sex education so that you don't you don't have babies when you're 12 years old right yeah exactly but and let's be clear about this the reason we teach sex education to 12 year olds is not because 12 year olds need to know how to have sex it's because if you don't they end up in situations where they can be shamed and they're not talking about it by fucking uncles who are fucking molesting them. Right. Right. And when you give them a healthy vocabulary to understand that with and to speak about it with, they're able to speak out about the abuses that they're going through. You know, like the, you know, having grown up in the church, looking back on it, there's nothing grosser than kind of all of the made up funny words that we gave to sex and sex like, you know, whatever, sexual things, you know. And coming from where I am today, it's pretty well settled that that having kind of these weird kind of like shameful nicknames for 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 sexual body parts and stuff like that is 
is a great way to make sure that people grow up understanding that sex is shameful. And if you're being abused sexually, you shouldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. Anyways, my, back to my point there. The other half of this is sex education. And once again, Republicans out there are making sure that we have the worst of the worst, you know? Yeah. Because of the evangelical Christians just making sure that, oh, we c- can you believe they want to teach sex education to a 12-year-old? Yeah. Because they need to fucking know about this. Because you know what's going on in the fucking world? Bad stuff. You know how we could keep bad stuff from happening? Educate people. Right. Sorry. Nope. Nope. You're right. It's... <sighs> yeah, it's... It's interesting that now the culture war is not as much abortion. It's, you know, hating trans people. Hating yeah. gay people, even. I mean, you. I mean, it's just like... It's always about hating those that are on like the periphery of society that yeah, started exactly. to gain acceptance. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Anyway, we're way off track. Sorry. Right, cool. <laughs> I took us down this we road. We can move on bad. to the next song. All right, next song, <laughs> number nine. PS we'll call you when we get there. All right. So yeah, so this is kind of uh it's a fun song, you know, it's yeah, just a fun kind song. Kind of just straight ahead power pop fun song. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I kind of compared it to like, what if it's like Static Prevails era Jimmy Eat World wrote a Bleed American song? Okay. That right. would be this song, right? <laughs> um, honestly, the first half of the song is nothing to write home about. See what I did there? See it? <laughs> See it? All right. Um, but the last half of the song, I think, is actually really good. It, and it's not like not fun in a bad way. It's just not great. Right. But I think the last half of it is... Uh, it's, it's pretty good. I'm going to play kind of at the two-minute mark here, which is the, the last third of the song. Um, it's really good. Guitar part. Mm-hmm. All right, Jay, you got anything to say on the lyrics here? No. <laughs> all right, me either. It's almost like being nostalgic about today. That's all I got to say about it. All right, yeah. let's move on. <laughs> all right. All right. Last song, Good. Constellation. Constellation. So this song starts out with like a big boom with guitars and drums. I think it's supposed to let you know that this song's been kind of epic, you know? And we can once again kind of get these like buried mumble vocals going on, coming out of the silence. Uh, and, and, and then the full band comes in with kind of an angular, kind of repetitive, but in a good way, guitar, lead guitar part. But then it gets boring. So. Never be 
song kind of gets boring there a little for a while but then like the guitars come back in kind of loud and brett screams i wanna be selfish <laughs> then it gets soft again and he's like i wanna be selfish um we get to a part here that is the first time other than the abortion song that i was like is this is this a christian song The lyrics there are, please don't forget my my name, and take me with you when you leave. I've got a lot to lose. I've got to let it go. We'll come back to that. After that, the song kind of does this fade-out thing where it tricks you into thinking that the song is going to end. But do not be fooled. gets pretty like that for a while and then it gets layered with like some na na na's then we get some drums building Remember that angular guitar from the beginning of the song, Jay? It's finally gonna come back here. Yeah, I like I like that guitar part. Yeah, it's a really good guitar part. <laughs> After that, it it's nice kind of like almost wall of sound guitars for a while, and it's it's a really nice way to end the album, I think. Agreed. Let's talk about these lyrics, Jay. Did you did this one hit you as maybe being a Christian? There was a couple lines actually funny when it says, "Why does your love remain unchanged?" I was like, oh, "Exactly what is that about God." Yeah, um, right. Why? Does but then your I love thought the rest unchanged? of it doesn't i don't know you know i know it's okay yeah because we have some things can never be explained why why every sky still looks the same and i wonder how my world will, will look without you eh, okay you know some things can never be explained like how our scars remain the same and i wonder how the sky would look without my star sleep seems a dream away and a year too late 
words can't be spoken stream off my face. I want to be selfish, but you're my everything. Some things can never be explained. Why does your love remain unchanged? Because I know it wouldn't be the same without you. Sleep seems a dream away, and a year too late. Words that can't be spoken stream off your face. I want to be selfish. You're my everything. Please don't forget my name and take me with you when you leave. I've got a lot to lose. I've got to let it go. Please don't forget my name. So it's kind of back and forth there, right? Like, I, I want to be selfish, but you're my everything. Please don't forget my name. Like, write my name down in the in the book of life, right? You know, and take me with you when you leave at the at the final resurrection, you know? I don't know. Hmm. It could just be about a relationship. Yeah, but we found ourselves with a lot God. during that time going like, oh, it's about, you know. Yeah, it's hidden. Right. You gotta put it out there so that everyone will hear it, and then they'll, then they'll slowly get, 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 get drawn into God. Yep. I don't know. It is a, it's a nice song, and it's a good way to end the album, I think. And it, and it is a big song, but, you know, it's not, I don't know. It's not like Goodbye Sky Harbor or anything like that, right? Right, right. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jay, what'd you think of the album overall? Yeah, it's not bad. It's not like, it's not my favorite either, but I enjoyed listening to it. It had some catchy songs. Again, I think what helped me is going like, okay, I'm not, this is not really emo. It's just kind right. of like a pop record and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably not going to listen to it much more, but I, you know, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. It's not, it's probably not going like back in my regular rotation by any means, but it's, it's a good album and I enjoyed listening to it for, for, for this episode. Um, and there's still great songs that stand out. You know, I think, uh, you know, Dwayne Joseph, August and Bethany, as we talked about for Evangeline, except for the lyrics is really good. Um, yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to look at the artwork? I did. Um, first of all, I forgot like how thick the booklet was. There's so much. Yeah. Like obviously they were kind of banking on this doing well. Cause they put a lot into yeah. this. Um, I, so I'll be honest, Julian, aren't they? I've never really loved their cover art. This one I think is no. better than their next one. And I know their next yes. album was kind of the bigger album, but I just thought the cover looked so incredibly stupid. Um, <laughs> I, Not going, back through the, going back through this it, it's it's okay you can definitely get a sense of the time like the way it's laid yes. out and there's these like Clifton, you know there's these like random ass quotes in there i looked yes. up a, like one is from like um shakespeare play one is um some weird ass french like theologian or something from 400 years ago it's just like these weird ass quotes that don't like i don't know why they're in there um yeah like one this one here the king has note of all that they intend by interception, which they dream not of. That's from um, Henry V. Okay. Act two, scene two. <laughs> <laughs> why? But why? I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. It just seems like random, like, oh, this is a good quote. We'll stick this in here. Um, and like you said, the lyrics are laid out really strange on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of photos. Yeah, very, it's mo- mostly photo based. Yeah. Yeah. Very like that era, late 90s. Again, kind of emo looking band. Um, I like this one. 
the countdown has begun. Y2K. Yeah. <laughs> There's also this uh, this number that's before every song in the book. Um, zero two seven seven five nine one three zero one. Is that the barcode? It's not. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, like I that would have made sense. Out. Yeah. Huh. But that's not. That's not the SPCN. It's not the barcode. It's nothing, Jay. It's nothing at all. Hmm. So I don't know what it is. Um, also, Constellation shows up here twice. It's the first song, and it's labeled as song one. But it's also the last song, and it's labeled as song zero that time. And then, and then both. Um, this is not a love song, and Dwayne Joseph are labeled a song too. And yeah, and there's just like random, like this this page just says thirty three, but both E's and three are are threes. Yeah. But like, why? <laughs> like it doesn't have anything to do with the song. It just it's just there. Yeah, I mean, lots of questions, and I'd love for there to be some kind of like you know, really cool explanation, but I doubt there is. I do know that the Juliana theory, so supposedly one of the stories they told people about their name was that it was some oh, sociological yeah. experiment, you know, um, and that's what they were named after, and it was all just completely made up. So maybe yes. some of this is alluding to that. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's supposed to be mystical. I would have rather had something that was like concrete, like there was an answer behind it, and it was kind of hidden in there, even if it was stupid. Rather than just like a bunch of fake stuff. Right. Know? Yeah. Fair. Like, I don't know. I noticed it does have stars on the CD itself. Yeah. The um, CD, is, CD itself is blank except for five blue stars. Yeah. And that was so that time period in emo. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when like stars on yes. everything was like the hot thing for, I don't know, about a year? It was that <laughs> around 99, yes. 2000. That was like really yes. cool. It was the thing. Yes. Very much so. I think I had um, my Rockstar samplers back then. Uh-huh. Just stars on them. And uh, remember the Militia group had a red star yep. as their uh, logo. And yeah, a lot of stars in that era. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that, though, it's it's got like this shiny kind of print to it, wherever the blue is, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Not much else to say there, though. It's well done, I guess. Get your get your attention, definitely. It does, yeah. I think the, the album sounds really good. I know they want to do yes. a core with Barry Pointer in, in Arkansas, and supposedly, going back to that labeled podcast, Brett said, I think when they were in Zayo, they heard that Living Sacrifice Reborn album, and they were like, and that was recorded there, and they were like, oh my god, this sounds so good. So then Zayo <laughs> recorded with them, and he was like, okay, Juliana Theory, that's where we want to record to. Okay. Which is like, in Arkansas, it's kind of random. It's not yeah, it's like where you would think of, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it does, it sounds good. Yeah. They actually drove there to record several times, not just this album. I think they went there for the songs they recorded for, um, the Dawson high, um, uh, split. And also I think they went there to record like one random song for a compilation. Yeah. Nice. So they were pretty, pretty loyal to that guy. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. Okay. Well, uh, you want to tell us where they are now? Sure, a little bit. Um, so the Juliana Theory released uh, their second album, Emotion is Dead, on Tooth and Nail in 2000. Um, it's actually beginning of 2000, like January. It was less than a year 
um, after the release of this album. <laughs> they began to clash with Tooth & Nail after that, though, due to lack of promotion from Tooth & Nail. They ended up signing with Epic Records um, and recorded their third album, Love, with Jerry Harrison of Talking Heads. And that came out in 2003 after several delays. But Epic also didn't do any promotion for the band. Um, uh, Brett told a story in one of the podcasts about they were headlining a tour and their opening act was also on, on Epic. And they, the opening act had a, uh, a, a, a a video and they didn't have a video. And they went to Epic and like, what the hell? And Epic was like, you want to leave? And they're like, yes, we want to leave. <laughs> so they left. And then in 2005, they uh, recorded and released their fourth album, Deadbeat Sweetheart Beat, on their own level, Abacus Recordings. And then they parted ways in 2006. In uh, 2010, they released a B-Sides and Rarities albums and played a few shows. And then the band kind of reformed in late 2017 um, to play like maybe just one live show or maybe two or three, I don't remember. And then Brett and Josh have continued on making music as the band, just the two of them through today. They, they put out a few singles, and they have an album that came out called A Dream Away that came out in 2021 on Equal Vision Records. It's this weird kind of like electronic reimagining of old the Juliana Theory songs, Jay? I know I, I sent you Dwayne Joseph. They also did Constellation off this album. I'm going to play that here for everyone because it is not what you're expecting it to be, I don't think. <laughs> And you might be thinking to yourself, oh, it's going to get better, right? It does not. It just goes on like that for a while. There's a comment on the video that says, I think this is very, this, this sums it up pretty well. I remember Brett himself commenting on the song Fireflies by Owl City saying, it makes me want to sit down when I pee. Somehow I feel that same reaction slash comment could be applied here to their own material. <laughs> yeah, I was not a fan when you sent me that. I just like, this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <sighs> Uninspired, maybe, is the way to. I don't. Like, why? Right. There's nothing catchy about it, I don't think. Like, and especially from a band that came off way catchier than they had. than they were ever claiming to be, right? More of a pop band than anything. To put out this is very weird to me. Anyways, they also put out an EP um, called Still the Same Kids Part 1, which is supposed to be a, part, a first of a three-parter EP with new music, but nothing else has come out since then. That's it. Won't you come and take a holiday with me? Please say yes. Please say yes. Please say yes. What are we going to do next time? Jay, we're going to listen to those boys of the news going public 
the Newsboys going public. All the way back to, I think, 1994. So yeah. get yeah. ready. Time machine time. Oh, yeah. I uh, never listened to this album, so I'm excited to hear it for the first time. Interesting. Okay. You liked yeah. the other one so much. I'm surprised you never yeah. went back and like. I know, right? I'm, yeah. I don't know. I'm that kind of way. Like I just, it's like for some reason back then, I'm more today, I dig into bands, but back then I was not ever like, hey, I got to listen to everything this band's ever put out kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is this the one with Shine? Shine. Yes. Which okay. I'm going to be, I just already told everyone I love that song. I'm sorry. Like, no, it's a good song. It's, it's a great song. I don't remember if the rest of the album measures up. It probably does not, but we will find out. <laughs> right. I don't remember any other songs from being played in the youth group, so I doubt it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Your Music Saved Us. If you enjoyed your time with us, please leave us a review or share this episode. Visit patreon.com slash YMSU to contribute and get extended episodes. Visit our website, yourmusicsavedus.com to find out all the ways to listen. We're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Join our Facebook group or follow us to keep up with the latest or interact with us and send complaints and disagreements to yourmusicsavedus at gmail.com. The music in this episode is the work of the Juliana Theory and is used with apologies, not permission. But you can go out there and support them. Probably. They, they still a got website. a website up. Yeah. Yep. TheJulianaTheory.com. Go there. I know they have merch. It's even on YouTube. Weirdly enough. All right. See you later, Gator. Bye, everybody. <laughs>